Be'ezus Hashem Yisbarach. We will continue the letter, the holy letters of the Alter Rebbe, letter number 11. What we're learning, which is La'askil Chabina. That La'askil Chabina is the letter which enlightens you with understanding. We started the letter the Alter Rebbe is writing a letter to somebody who's suffering. He was suffering tremendously. And he was complaining about his suffering. And the, Rebbe write, the Alter Rebbe writes back to him regarding his, in answer to his complaints, in, his, in, in answer to his, to his pain, and he tells him, I want to enlighten you with understanding. I want to explain to you that not by this path, through complaining, will the light of God dwell within you, because by desiring the life of the flesh, by desiring children, and by, design, by desiring parnosa, sustenance, to have money, not by that will the light of God dwell in you. So we, we discussed yesterday that this person who wrote this letter to the Alter Rebbe did not ask the Alter Rebbe that question at all. And a big part of our Agdamas that we gave in the past few classes as we go into this beautiful journey deep into enlightenment where it's a preparation and a groundwork to understand the depth and the magic of what the Alter Rebbe is trying to convey with this letter. Which there is some, there is a profound concept over here that lies deep within what the Alter Rebbe is writing to this person. With the Alter Rebbe is demanding the person go deep into the core of his life, deep into the purity of what he is doing in this world. He's taking a person into a place where he usually doesn't go, which that is the beginning of enlightenment. And as we learn together, the root of all pain is not the pain that a person experiences. The root of all pain is ignorance as to life. A person doesn't, is afraid of dying because he's even afraid to live. And the main reason he's afraid to live is because he has absolutely no idea what life is. He's thrust into this world, and if he doesn't discover the Torah, and then if he doesn't discover the inner dimension of the Torah, which is the soul of the Torah, then he has no idea what real life is, he has no idea what the truth of life is, what he's doing in this world. And we started yesterday to explain that this could all be understood through the metaphor of marriage. Because what Al-Tareb is referring to in this letter is the most beautiful concept that he explains in chapter 36 of Tanya, which is the foundation of the whole entire Tanya, which is that the purpose of this world is to make a dwelling place for God. And we explained that when was this revealed? When was a glimmer of this revealed? A glimmer of this was revealed in Matan Torah. And we explained, and this is important to go into it again, that in Kriyas Yamsuf, the, the Yidin saw a vision of heaven. They got a glimpse of heaven, a taste of heaven, what we would call a taste of heaven. 
We describe that when we go on vacation and we have one moment when we see the sunset on the blue water and we say that's a glimpse of heaven or we have a tremendous baked cake and we say this is the taste of heaven. But all of that pales in comparison to what the Yidden experienced in Gris Yamsev, which was a taste of heaven, a taste of the future, a taste of something that's unimaginable, uncontainable. But that taste of heaven, that vision of heaven, paled in comparison to what they experienced in Matan Torah. In Matan Torah was their wedding day. It was the wedding between the Jewish people and the Eivishter. Because in that wedding, in that experience, in that giving of the Torah, in that, in that moment in time, in that space, the Jewish people discovered the most phenomenal most phenomenal idea that there is in the world, which is, what is the purpose of life? And the answer to that question was that they are the purpose of life. The Jewish people are the purpose. Meaning to say, you are God's bride. You are the kala of the Abishur. That's what they discovered at Matan Torah. And what, what they discovered at Matan Torah, they discovered this in the most profound way. Because during Matan Torah, God was revealed in the world. And when God was revealed in the world, every single thing in the world said, I am God. Now you see, to understand what that really means, you have to look carefully at a tzaddik. You have to look carefully at your own life. During our states of unconsciousness where we are sleepwalking, as we discussed at length, that most of people, most of, like the Rambam says in Luchas Shuvah, most of a person's life he's asleep. Unless he learns Torah, unless he's awake, unless he's wearing tzitzes, unless he's wearing tefillin, unless he's living with, the, unless he's living with Torah mitzvahs, he's asleep. But even while he's sleepwalking, he will, he will encounter situations where he says, you see that story that just happened? That's, that's the hand of God. And he will say, Baruch Hashem. And he will say, thank you, Hashem. But he will do this mostly, or a big part of it, he will become from a space of sleepwalking. He's not even aware of what he's saying. Because had he been aware of what he's saying, that this is the hand of God, the awareness, the awesomeness of that, the wakefulness, the, 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 the tremendous meditation that that would bring a person to would be to complete surrender, to live with that light. But most people do not live like that. A tzaddik lives like that. A tzaddik lives like that because in front of his eyes, every single moment, every deed is not only measured, but more importantly than being measured, he sees the light of God in front of him. He sees that this world is only an illusion. And the whole point of this illusion is so him and God could become one. And that's what the Yidin discovered in Matan Torah, the magical Revelation of Matan Torah was that they discovered that the body is a container. The body is the temple. What does that mean? It's the container. It contains God. The body could hold God. My organs is where my soul is dwelling. My soul and my body are two different things. My body is dead and my soul is alive. And my soul animates my body and brings it to life every single moment. But I'm completely clueless to that. I'm completely unattentive to that. I'm completely unconscious to it. I don't appreciate it. If you would go over to a person and you would tell a person, I'll give you all the pleasures in the world, but you die tomorrow. 
he would not. The Balatanya says in Safe My Morum Katsorum, a person would not do this even for a second. Not only that, a person, if you tell a person you're going to die tomorrow, or you're going to die in a month, but you could take all these medicines and you could do all these horrifying things, a person would put his whole energy into just give me another day. But a person doesn't live his life like that. He doesn't live his life like that at all because he's asleep, he's unconscious. So the Balatanya asks, why doesn't a person live like that? Why doesn't a person live like that? If he would give everything. And these are the big introductions that we learned the last few weeks. These are, which are life-altering, life-shifting, transformational ideas. Why doesn't a person live like that? That's the question the Balatanya asks. And he says the reason why a person doesn't live like that is because he lives with the old. He doesn't realize that he is being created every moment from nothing to something. He doesn't realize that his heart is pumping now. He lives with a false sense of self, a false sense of past, and a false sense of future. Some hope for the future that in the future time something is going to be better. And some false hope about the past, that everything is the past. But if he realized that only there is only right now, there's only right now, if you eliminate psychological time, if you re eliminate this idea that something better is coming for the future, then you'll be fully alive in this moment. Then you'll see the purpose of life is only this moment. Because you only live this moment. <clears throat> and this is a deep, deep meditation. This is the enlightenment of understanding. A person has to realize this. He has to put his energy into this. Because the nature of a person is completely to miss the boat. To wake up 70, 80 years later and say, Wow, I said when I'm going to be older, one day I'm going to be better. One day I will get rid of violence. One day I'll get rid of anger. One day I'll get rid of jealousy. One day I will start to look at my spouse, split my spouse's see. One day I will be sensitive to the poor person. One day I will care about my children. One day I'll be fully awake. But that day never comes because it will not come unless you realize there's only this minute. Because if you imagine that day, how is that day going to come? It's going to come the way today comes. Right? If you imagine your chuppah, your child's chuppah in, 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 in 30 days from now. So right now is 30 days from now is going to be my child's chuppah. By the moment of the chuppah, are you going to say, oh, the 30th day arrived? You're never going to say that. Because the, the, the chuppah will arrive right now. It will never arrive in, as a future. When you're going to be sitting there, you're going to be present. But if your whole life is the future, when you're sitting at that chuppah, you'll be thinking about another future, another more important moment, another place of heaven. And this is the root of all suffering. The root of all suffering is a better future, something better that's coming tomorrow. But the truth is that the most magical thing that there is in the world is my heart beating right now because that's the miracle of life. The miracle of life is that I have a dead body, a container, and that container is being brought to life by my soul. And that pleasure of that, which is unimaginable, I'm completely unconscious to it. And the proof that it's the most highest, greatest pleasure in the world, greater than any will, greater than any pleasure, is that I would give up every pleasure in the world just to have this moment right now. But the only reason I'm not aware of it is because I don't realize that this is the only moment I have. And the Balatanya says, therefore, a person has to do tremendous meditation as much as he can in this world to realize that now is the only moment I have. And now is the moment that I... I am I'm married to the Abishur. I am. This is the moment Hashem chose me so I could reveal this. That's all I have to do is reveal this. That my soul is filling my body. 
And how does my soul come deeply into my body? Through connecting to Torah Mitzvahs. Because when I connect to Torah Mitzvahs, I have a Muna in Hashem. And when I have a Muna in Hashem, I create a miraculous life. I live an entirely different experience. I'm not trapped in my ego. I'm not looking for my sense of self. I'm not looking to discover my body. I'm not looking to idolize my, 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 my materiality. I'm looking to transcend. I'm looking to go deeper. I'm looking to discover the meaning of my life. And that is a magical experience. That is the most magical experience a person has. But if a person doesn't have Torah and mitzvahs, he's completely unaware of this. And that's why we explain that this is the beauty of what happened in Matan Torah. In Matan Torah, the first time, the first time and the only time in history that that happened, that the Yidden came, and after experiencing heaven, after experience the discovery of their own soul, after they discovered that they discovered a makas b'chayrus who they're not, they're not mitzrim, they're not ego, they're not their success. They discovered that they're not avodim anymore. They're not trapped to the Egyptian mentality. The whole Egyptian mentality was disintegrated. And then, after being free, set free, they had no idea what to do with freedom. They had no idea who they were. They knew who they were not. And when they came to Kriyas Yamsu, they discovered who they were. They discovered the kingdom of heaven. They discovered what heaven looks like, where souls looks like. And that coming out of the water was like coming out of your mother's stomach. It was a discovery, a discovery of the Jewish nation. What is the power of a soul? What's the deepest core of my identity, which is a part of God, which is a soul? But they had no idea what to do with that. But then on Matan Torah they discovered that the reason why they were born was to, to, to have a marriage with God. This is the marriage of you and God. And what happens by a marriage? We explained yesterday. By a marriage, the man is the king. And the woman is the queen. And she dresses up with a kalagam, and he dresses up with his kosengam, and they're both wearing a uniform. And we asked the question yesterday, if, you, if the whole goal of marriage is, if the whole goal of marriage is the wedding, if the wedding is the peak moment, if we collect all this money, if we make such a meditation out of this, why, are we, why don't we live with the superstition our whole life? Why doesn't the Kala wear her gown the whole entire life? Why does the Chassan not wear his uniform the whole entire life? This is an extremely important question to ask because for most people this is a superstition. This is a very, very funny concept. And they don't even think about it at all. Everybody comes to dance on a day when you celebrate your marriage. And if that marriage, if that marriage is about the color wearing a color gown, then why don't they do this the whole entire life? And the answer to this question is because the wedding is a roadmap. The wedding is your blueprint. The wedding is your identity. Your identity is that you're soulmates, that you're one. But you can't live with that, with your wedding every day of your life, because then it's going to be an external life. 
The goal of marriage is much more profound than the blueprints. You can't live in blueprints. You can't live in that, in that space. You went on a date and you decided you're good for each other. Can you live in that date? That date means I know you. That date means I want to discover you. I want to become one with you. In thought, speech, and action. In mental, in enlightenment, in heart, in feeling, in flesh. The goal is not the flesh. The goal is not the externalities. The goal is not that, I'm, I'm, wow, you look so beautiful by the wedding and I'm going to hold on to that beauty for my whole entire life. The man doesn't say that. And the woman doesn't say, wow, I look like a kala and now the whole, my whole entire life, you're going to make me into a queen. That's a misconception. It's the beginning of all consciousness. It's the beginning of the consciousness of my marriage. But if we're soulmates, we got to transcend the body. If we're soulmates, we have to split the body and become one. We were put in two separate bodies so we should have a sense of self so we could become one. So we can transcend that duality, that two-ness, the, the separateness that we have of our body so we can discover each other, so we can see the world through each other's eyes. You know how beautiful that is if you try it just for one moment. But most of marriage becomes a miscommunication starting in the Sheva Brachas. Because the miscommunication, because we start out with the wedding, and the wedding looks so beautiful. But if we're really soulmates, could that ever turn into hate? Is that even possible? Is it even possible that a love could turn into hate? Of course it's possible. If after the wedding we get confused, and we think that the purpose of my wedding is, what could I get? Rather than, what could I give? The whole entire purpose of marriage is, to become one with your spouse. And the reason why you don't live in a state of wedding is because then it will be a superficial life. You'll just continue the dates. I'm putting up a show and you're putting up a show. I'm putting up my best and you're putting up your best. But is that the goal to put up your best and live like that superficial? Or is, is the goal in life to live internal? To live mutual? To live with oneness, with unity? But not a unity that... A, not a unity where there's only one person. Where there's two people and they both bring one, each to the table. Where my happiness is your happiness. The tzaddik Rabbi Wallerstein, all of a shalom, he said, how do you know what means happiness in a wedding? He said, some women love to go shopping, and some men love to watch football. Some women love to go shopping, and some men love to learn. A lot of women have no understanding of what means learning, and they have no understanding in what means football. And a lot of men have no understanding of what means shopping. But if you, love your if you love your wife, her happiness is your happiness. So you love shopping, because that's what you love. And if you truly love your husband, then football is your happiness, because that's what makes, that's the magic, that's the sparkle that it brings out in your spouse's eye. But if you're consumed with what happened by your marriage, that you were made a queen, or you were made a king, and you expect that to keep on happening for the rest of your life, you missed the entire boat of marriage. And you're living in an unconscious marriage, in a reactive marriage. But the beauty of marriage is, the beauty of marriage is, that you could get to know the other person, to truly see the world through the other person's eyes, to, through, to truly penetrate the other person, to split the other person's sea, and to be able to discover that that is really you. And to be able to see the world with wholesomeness. Now, Matan Torah, 
this became clear to the Jewish people. Because after seeing the kingdom of heaven, after seeing the magic, the infinity of the future, the beautiful, unimaginable pleasure, the Yidin said, what could even be greater than this? And then they discovered their wedding. And then by the wedding, they discovered that Hashem chose them. Hashem chose your body. I chose your body to be the temple of God. I chose your body where the magic is going to happen. But the Yidin got confused. And they said, if you're celebrating my body, if my body, if my animal, if my feelings, animals is the feelings in man. We have our intellect, which is our head, where most of our soul is. And then we have a lower part, which is our heart, which is our feelings. And as you go lower in your consciousness, you become more selfish. You, became, you feel separate sense of Hashem. A separate sense. And the Yidin realized that if they are separate, their separateness, their heart, their feelings their sensuousness, their bodies. That is the purpose. Hashem chose that. Hashem said, I want to be separate, but to be one. I'm going to be the man. I'm going to be the revelation. But I can't be contained. And you're going to be the container. You're going to be the body of it. And together, it's going to be a live body. I'm the core of who you are. I'm the core of who you are. And if we, if we unite together, that's fully alive. That's a meaningful moment. That means that there's only now. And that was the essence of Matan Torah. Because for one minute, they got the true glimpse of what life is. And if you discover that for one moment, you'll never hope for a better future. But most people never discover this. They discover this either when it's about to be taken away from them. When death comes right near them, and all of a sudden they say, I never lived. Or they discover this when you do what the Rambam says in Ilkhaz Tshuva. Chetzi Chayev, Chetzi Zakai. You see that this moment right now, whatever I'm going to do this moment right now is tremendous meaning, there's tremendous energy in this moment right now. But the average person is asleep to this. And this is what it explains in chapter 36 in Tanya. That the Yidin, for one moment in time, their souls went back to the source. What does that mean they went back to the source? It was like the moment of the wedding, the core moment of the wedding, the peak moment in the wedding. Everybody has that peak moment in the wedding when they realize the height. And at that moment you discover that you're one with the other person that you're dancing with. But what's the whole point of a wedding? The whole point of a wedding is you're not waiting for the wedding to end. There's no part in the wedding that's more important than the other. Because the wedding is your blueprint to life. It's your dance. We take the chasa, we wrap them around the kala, and then we dance and dance. And we're telling the person, life is a dance. But it's an internal dance. You're going to make this real. You, you are soulmates. You're one. But then right after the wedding is over, after we discover this idea, after we discover that this wedding, this marriage is your life, the sense of self kicks in. Because we are really separate. We are really separate, right? We're one soul, but we're put in two different bodies. When Adam Rishon was created, he was created man and woman. It was created man and woman, masculine and feminine, internal and external. But he couldn't know himself. So Adam and Isha were split in half, and then afterwards they got married. The same thing was with God. Before he created the world, everything was one. But Hashem didn't create the world for that oneness. 
Because that oneness he had beforehand. He wanted to create a separate identity, which is the Jewish people, which I should have a sense of separateness. But they should surrender that separateness to become one with him. They should see him in all their ways, in all their deeds and everything. They should constantly split the sea of Yabasha, of, the, of this world. They should constantly split the sea of dry land and go into the water, go into the depth. They should surrender all their worries and anxieties, all their sense of self. Surrender it to God. Because he has your back, because he's one with you, because this world is a marriage. And I gave you the Torah mitzvahs. The Torah mitzvahs is the blueprint. And Moshe Rabbeinu was going to come down with the luchos, which was this magical rock from heaven, which was going to contain all the spirituality, was going to contain the roadmap for this dance, for this beautiful marriage, this conscious marriage, where there would be zero reactivity, where there would be a mesh of a single unity. But the obsession with self kicked in. The fact that I am your container came to celebrate the container. And that's what we learned in the beginning of the Agdama, that this is tzitzis. Because the paradox of life is the container, and then to let it go. Because that's the magic, to become one with God. To contain and to let go. To hold and to let go, which is every moment of your life. Which is the only time the magic happens. But if you don't have tzitzis, if you don't look through the container, you'll become obsessed with materiality. You'll become obsessed with anxiety. You'll become obsessed with your ego. You'll become obsessed with every type of materiality. And that's exactly what happened right after Matan Torah. Right after Matan Torah, the marriage was over. And the Sheva Bracha started. And all of a sudden, now we're become, supposed to become intimate. Intimate doesn't just mean intimate. It means we're supposed to see the world from the same eyes. But I'm a woman. The Jewish people are the woman. We're narrowed down. We're interested in quality and details. And I'm narrowing down my container. What do I bring to the table? You're supposed to provide for me. You're supposed to do for me. And now I come to celebrate the animal. The feelings. The separate, the separate sense of self. And that's where all the problems start. What can I get? What could you give me? And this is how the Altar ever starts this paragraph. Do you think that the light of God could dwell in you? Is if you want anything, if you want materiality, if you want your sense of self, if you want me to, to give you something, if you want me to, to fill your needs? Is that how a true marriage could work? And the Altar ever is talking to a person in tremendous pain, which as we discussed yesterday, pain is a tremendous portal and a trampoline to wake up, to get rid of the shell. Of, 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 of life. To get rid of the shell that's covering up life. Because pain is a tremendous awakener because I'm about to lose it. And let me appreciate what I have. And it will bring you deep into the now. Not every person could appreciate the enlightenment that the Rebbe is going to share over here, but he's still telling you the truth. Which is, that is the truth. That can you really, by your sense of self, is to discover your spouse. And to become one with your spouse. And that was the essence of Matan Torah, to discover the Abishur. But can you really make an eagle? Can you really take a hollow container and fill it up with gold until the whole entire container is just gold? Can you really live a life? It's supposed to be a container that's supposed to hold God. But can you take a life of flesh and start to eat and drink and be happy and be involved in materiality and anxiety and building a logo and so on and so forth, right? Logo comes from the word ego, which comes from the word eagle. It's all the same thing. A separate sense of self, a name for myself, an image. All of that's imaginary. You have an image, your life, your life itself. You have a name, your name is incomparable to who you are. The little image that you have of yourself is incomparable. But that's the eagle. The beginning of all problems start from a separate sense of self. I need this, I need that. The root of all suffering is my desire. Because if I would just be alive, I would give up all my desires just to be alive. 
but I'm completely unaware of that because I'm not living with Matan I'm not living with my wedding. I'm not living with the sense that I'm one with God. I'm one with my spouse. I'm not in a conscious marriage because I'm unconscious. Because I don't know what means a, a, a conscious marriage. I'm not, a, I'm, not a, 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 I'm not thinking about Hashem because I'm busy thinking about my, own, sep, my separate sense of self. But the whole purpose of myself is that I can have a marriage with God. And this is the essence of what he wants to come to teach us in this paragraph. We'll continue tomorrow. Amen to Hashem.